John chapter number 13. John chapter number 13. If you need a lesson, if you need a lesson, you did not get a lesson, you need a lesson, uh, raise your hand real quick. Raise your hand real quick. Right here in the middle. Uh, do we have anybody passing them out? Brother, Brother Jeff, you've got some. Brother Johnny, we've got some right here in the middle. Right here in the middle. All right, anybody else need a lesson upstairs? Anybody pass them out upstairs? Everybody good upstairs? If you're good, say amen. All right, all right, all right. That is great. That is great. Everybody glad to be here? Glad we got a heater? Amen. I I have to to preach next week in uh, a men's conference in Ohio, and a fella called me today. And, uh, and or maybe it was yesterday, yesterday or today, I don't remember, it's been a blur. Uh, and I said, how's it going? He says, it's a little chilly. I said, what is it? He said, it was seven below. I said, that wind chill factor? He said, no, that's the temperature. I was like, I ain't coming. <laughs> Amen. I'm not, I'm not going up there. So it, it, I'm, I'm glad everything's good. All right. John chapter 13. We're going to be in verse number one. John 13, verse number 1. Have you found your spot? Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. All the way. Say amen. amen. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. And after that, he poureth water into a basin. And he began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. He goes from one extreme to the other. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. He was in reference to Judas. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. And so after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, was set down again, and he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, truly, truly, that's what that means, truly, truly, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, Neither he that sent greater than he that sent him. Read it with me, verse 17, all together. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Say it again. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege of serving you. Thank you for the privilege of 
knowing you. Lord, thank you for this opportunity we have to come into a warm place and sit in, in, in comfortable chairs and hear your word and learn your word. God, I pray that we will not be hypocrites and we will not be uh, 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 people who look into a mirror and forget what we see by hearing the word and not doing the word. But God, help us to apply this truth to our life. Help us to apply the learning that we get tonight. Lord, we desire to be who you want us to be. We desire to do what you want us to do. God, we seek you. We seek your word. We seek your, 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 your anointing in this place. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for everything you've done for us. God, we'll thank you for all that you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you may be seated. We've been traveling through the life of Jesus uh, here through the book of John. And we're coming to the end. We're coming to the end. Specifically, as a matter of fact, this chapter, we're dealing with the last night. Uh, that he's with his disciples the night he gets arrested. Uh, later on this evening, uh, later on in the, in the darkness of the night, he will go into the Garden of Gethsemane and he will be praying there and then the soldiers will come, Judas will come, kiss him uh, with a kiss of deceit and betrayal and he will be arrested. But before this takes place, we, uh, let's, let's just do some background a little bit. From chapters 1 to chapters 12, we see basically the public ministry of the Lord Jesus with the people who reject him. All right? Now keep that in mind. Chapters 1 through 12, we see the public ministry. This is not in your notes, but this would be good to write down. You need to write this down. This will, this will help you. Uh, chapters 1 through 12 basically deal with his public ministry with those who rejected him. But then verses 13 through 17 basically deals with his private ministry with those who received him. Those who received him, those who had accepted who he was and believed who he was. It was like Peter who said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Flesh and blood has not revealed the Son to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And we know that there were people who believed that he was who he said he was. And they understood him as Christ. And Jesus is now ministering privately to them. Uh, tonight, I, I, I put as the title... I put as the title, Lessons Before Leaving. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Isn't that what I said on there on the top of it? Lessons Before Leaving. There's some lessons in this night. There's some lessons in here in this, this particular chapter that, that Jesus leaves with his disciples. Uh, how, many of you, how many of you, maybe as parents, uh, you, were, you were leaving to go on a trip or you were leaving to go out of town and you left your children at home and, and, and you left a list for them? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Or maybe you was just going uptown to go shopping, but you left a list on the table. My, my, my wife is a, is a list maker. She's a list leaver. Hey, man, it seems like when she leaves, she'll leave something for McKenzie or leave something for, for uh, 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 Brandy or me or whatever it might be. Uh, usually not for me because anyway, that's just anyway. <clears throat> they leave that. I'm going this is what I need you to know. This is what I need you to do or whatever. And, and so that, 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 this is what's taking place tonight. This is the night of the Last Supper. 
Uh, John doesn't go into detail. John doesn't go into detail about the Last Supper and, and, and Jesus saying, this is my body, this bread is my body which is broken for you. This, is, this wine is my blood which is shed for you. He, he doesn't go into that part of it. He's dealing with a totally different deal. He is trying to help us see the intimacy that Jesus has with his that are closest to him. He says, Jesus, knowing that his time was come, that his hour was up, he loved them until the end. And that's, that's, the, that's the thing that he's trying to get across. That's what he's trying to get you to see. And not only that, there's just some lessons. There's some lessons we're going to see here tonight. So uh, with that being said, with that being said, let's go right into our, our, our study tonight. Are you ready? Say amen. amen. Number one, number one, if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to see number one, I want you to see the lesson in humility. The lesson in humility. <clears throat> Jesus, Jesus, he always, he always has a reason for everything he did and for everything he said. How many of y'all know that? Say amen. Jesus never said anything just to say, he never had an idle word, if you will. Uh, he never did anything haphazardly. He always had a reason. He always had a purpose for what he said and what he did. So if we're, we're taking the subs underneath this, write this down. I want you to see the purpose of the lesson. You've got to understand why he's doing what he's doing. He didn't just say, hey, them feet are real dirty. That, that, that's, not, that's not the issue. Sometimes my wife will get upset with me and, and she, she'll say, wipe those shoes off before you go up there. She'll see sometimes I've got mud on my shoes or other things, amen. And, uh, and, and she said, man, wipe that off. She's concerned. She's concerned about my appearance and, 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 and that type of thing. But that's not the deal. That he's, not, he's not caring about their appearance. He's not caring that they, they look a little scruffy. That's not, that's not the problem. He is seeing a deeper issue. And I want you to turn with me. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter number 10. Mark chapter number 10, and then we're going to turn over to Luke chapter 22, okay? Mark chapter 10, and then we'll, we'll look over in Luke. Now, we don't usually turn like this, but this is Bible study, so I think it'd be appropriate. Say amen. Mark chapter number 10, and plus I printed it out and put it on the paper, and it was going to use up too much paper, so we're we just going to turn. Amen. Mark 10, verse 35. Mark 10, verse 35. When you get there, say Amen. Now, this is what Jesus is dealing with, all right? He's been three years ministering. He's been three years teaching. He's been three years trying to get these disciples, these believers, these followers of him uh, to get into a right mindset, into a right place so they could uh, turn the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ after he leaves. And, and this is what he's dealing with. This is what he's dealing with. Verse 35, Mark 10, 35. Are you there? Say amen. amen. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him saying... Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would you that I should do for you? In other words, what are you wanting? And they said unto him, Grant us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. But Jesus, in other words, they wanted to be the highest honor. We want to be the most important people to you. When you come into your kingdom, we want one sit on one hand, the other sit on the other. And Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. 
And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized with shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. Now watch this, watch this. And when they... Ten, when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. All right, you got two disciples wanting to sit in the best place, wanting to be in the place of honor, and all the rest of them are aggravated with them for asking for it. So we have, it's almost like, it's almost like a sibling rivalry. How many of y'all have multiple children and not ashamed of it? Raise your hand. How many of y'all have issues sometimes? How many of y'all sometimes feel like a UFC referee? <clears throat> That's what's going on. What? What are you asking? What's going on? You know, instead of, instead of, Mom, it's Jesus. You with me? Now watch. Now watch. Now keep in mind, keep in mind, this is the last hours of Jesus' life on earth. This is, a, this is the moment right before he goes into the garden of Gethsemane, right before he is under such intense pressure that as he is praying that the capillaries burst in his pores and his sweat becomes as great drops of blood. It is right before he says, I am sorrowing. In other words, he is in terror. He is under great burden and great person. Are y'all with me? This is what Jesus is dealing with. He knows everything. He knows about the cross. He knows about the crucifixion. He knows about the beating. He knows about the cat of nine tails. He knows about the spikes that's going to go into his body. He knows about the beating he's fixing to take. He knows all that stuff. Yet, look in Luke. Look in Luke chapter number 22. Luke 22 verse 24. This is... This is in the room with him, in the upper room, during, during the Last Supper. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. This is what's happening. In the room. In the room. When he just got through saying, this bread is my body which is broken for you. This wine is the blood which I'm going to shed for you. Watch this. Look in verse number 24. And there was also a strife among them. What does that mean? They're arguing. There was a strife among them. Which of them should be accounted what? Are y'all with me? What are we talking about? Why are we reading these verses? I want you to understand the whole purpose that Jesus got up from his table and began to wash their feet. They were arguing over who was going to be the greatest. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. I, I, I lost my place. Let me turn back over there. Let's keep reading. Look what it says. <clears throat> Look what Jesus says. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. Ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief, as he that doth serve. Look here. For whether is greater, he that sitteth in meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth in meat, but I am. I am, Jesus is speaking. I am among you as he that serveth. serveth. I mean, he's fixing to die. He's fixing to be crucified. He, he even says this. 
I believe it's in Luke, in that same chapter, he says, man, I couldn't wait to have this meal. He told them, I have greatly desired to have this meal with you. He, in other words, it was one of them, how many of y'all ladies in here, and, and, and it's usually more women folk that's like this than men, that when you have those special reunions, special dinners or holidays where you get to just to be with everybody, how, how you look forward to that, or when your children come back into town, or man, I, I couldn't wait when, when, when Jordan and Austin came back, and, and I, I remember the times, but boy, you just, you just, man, you can't wait to fellowship and just sit around and, and, and have that time. That's what Jesus, he, he couldn't wait. He wanted to have this special time. He knew he was about to leave. He knew he didn't have much time left. He, he knew that he was fixing to be betrayed. He knew that Judas was fixing to walk out, go and betray him. That he was going to be arrested and crucified. And his disciples are fighting. Arguing over who's going to be the greatest. Throughout the ministry, they one's wanting to be on one side, one's wanting to be on the other. And this is their mentality. This is their attitude. Me, 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 me. We had a pretty long staff meeting Tuesday. <clears throat> we were talking about the new year and, 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 and things we need to try to accomplish to keep reaching people and to keep reaching a younger generation and and, and uh, the generation is coming up and, and, and you see such a prevalent mentality of privilege, a mentality of, uh, what, what, what's, what's the word when they, when they expect everything to be given to them? Entitlement, entitlement. A, a mentality of me, mine, just selfish. And I'm not going to just put it off all, all on them. I think we all struggle with it to a point. I mean, I, I think we all do. I don't care what age you are. This is, this is a fleshly thing. This is something that's manifest on the inside of us that comes from our broken flesh and our corrupt flesh. And, and we have to struggle this all the time. And, 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 and we are living in a society when everything's about me, Everything's about, the world revolves around, I, I'm the center of the universe. And, and, and we get people that's frustrated and aggravated because things are not just the way they want it or, or, or uh, uh, not the way, and this is what Jesus is dealing with. And so we see the purpose of this object lesson, the purpose of this lesson in humility. But then, then B, write this down. I want you to see the practice, the practice of this lesson. What does Jesus do to get their attention? He goes to extremes. He, 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 supper's ended. They're arguing. Jesus may have done the eye roll. Say amen. <laughs> and in the midst of it, I, I believe. Now, I, I may be speculating this just a little bit. You know, the, 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 the time... Uh, uh, the, 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 the timeline and everything. I, I tried to look at all the different gospels, versions of it, and how it all went and everything, but I, it could, it, 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 great, just very well possibly could have been this. In the midst of their arguing, Jesus doesn't even say a word. He just gets up. And he goes and takes off his outer garment and he puts a towel around himself and he begins to wash their feet. Now the significance of this is even, and I read this, I read this from a commentary today, 
uh, uh, even Jewish servants didn't wash people's feet. This was something that sometimes was, was relegated just to Gentile slaves. Are y'all with me? Sometimes, very rarely, but sometimes a host would do it as a sign of affection for the person that he was hosting, but more than likely it was a Gentile slave. Either way, it was a lowly job. It was a lowly, it, it was just, it was unheard of for any dignified Jew to wash somebody's feet. And so he gets down and he begins to wash their feet. Can you imagine him looking at each other like, what? Because they believe he's God. You remember? Peter says, thou art, thou art the son of God. They believed that he was God. They believed that he was the Messiah. They believed that he was the Savior. They saw him. Now keep in mind, they saw him calm the sea. They saw him turn water into wine. They saw him feed thousands. This great, powerful man is washing our nasty feet. I love the, I love the way it's worded. It says, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garment. Sometimes my mind alliterates it before I'm even thinking. And first you have to leave and then you have to lay. Sometimes you have to leave what you're doing. What does that mean? Sometimes serving is inconvenient. Sometimes you got to get up from eating so you can bless somebody else. Now, you may not love food like me, but if I had to give up food to do something, that's serious. Say amen. Can y'all see this? Do y'all's mind work this way? He had to stop doing what was important to him to do what he knew was important to them. And he laid aside his garments. Sometimes we have to lay aside what's important to us. Sometimes we have to be able to look beyond our own self and look beyond who we are and look beyond what we want to be a blessing to somebody else. Humility has to be practiced. Not only do we see the purpose, not only do we see the practice in this lesson, but this is something that's, it is huge, huge. Church, say amen. I'm talking about Donald Trump, huge, amen. And most people don't even say, I didn't see it. We got to go back to verse 1. Now, now, how many of y'all can be honest for about 13 seconds? Y'all can't even do that. All right, 10 seconds, all right? All right, can you be honest? Can you be honest? Come on, come on. This right here means yes, this right here means no, all right? Can y'all be honest, all right? How many of y'all find humility difficult sometimes? It's sometimes humility is not difficult with some people, but it's almost impossible with some others. Y'all with me? I'll come back to that. All right, so how do we do it? How do we do it? Let's, 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 let's define this a little bit. Let's define this a little bit. What is the opposite of humility. Say it again. Pride. 
pride. Why, why do many people struggle with the, 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 the act of humility or the mentality or the attitude of humility because it's pride, but I think it's more than that. I think it's more than that. I think we can learn a lot from a chihuahua. How many of y'all have ever had a chihuahua? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of y'all have seen a chihuahua? How many of y'all have ever ate a taco? Oh, no, okay, I'm just... I'm... Taco Bell, man, ain't you... Little barking dog, come on, people. When me, me and my wife, when we got married... <clears throat> When we got married, I was in Bible college, and and uh, and 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 I, I, I was, you know, I was, I was on the poor side of the deal, and 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 so I had to work during the day and go to school at night because I, I couldn't afford to uh, go to the other type of college, and and uh, so in trying to do that and take care of a family, uh, we didn't live in the greatest part of town, if you know what I mean, in Augusta, Georgia. Say amen. And, and I, I was just nervous about that, you know, being gone during the day and leaving Tammy at home. And, and, and then at, at night, most of the time when I was in, in school. And, and, and so I really didn't want her to be home uh, alone. And, and so, so I, I, I went and got a bulldog. <clears throat> His name was Trouble. He was a brindle bulldog with a white collar. And, and you know, for years I preached that, 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 you know, animals don't have souls and they're not in heaven uh, but trouble is, <clears throat> he's in glory. Amen. He's, he'll be there waiting on me when I get there. But anyway, we got, we got trouble and, 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 and Tammy's mom was really not happy with her son-in-law <clears throat> because she didn't like the fact that we've got a baby on the way, Jordan is on the way, and, and now we got a bulldog in the house. And, and so she took it up with the, her veterinarian. And, uh, and, 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 and so she began to tell the vet all this kind of stuff. And this is what the veterinarian said. She said, well, he said, I'll be honest with you, ma'am. She said, I'd rather them have that bulldog than a little chihuahua. <laughs> and she did like some of y'all are doing now. What? <laughs> said the little chihuahua's got a complex. A bulldog don't. For all you. Anyway. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kind of. <clears throat> he said that little chihuahua was kind of small. And because of that, the size, he's afraid. And let's just use the word, let's just use the word for application purposes. He's insecure. So being insecure, he has the little man syndrome. Or... Napoleon syndrome, right? And because he's insecure, he's at, he has issues. He's a little arrogant scoundrel. Y'all with me? But the old bulldog, he's just a big old burly thing who ain't afraid of nothing. So he's pretty humble. And he was. He was great with our kids. Point being is this, sometimes people struggle with humility because they're insecure. They're afraid to be humble because they're afraid of what someone will think about them. They're afraid to be, watch this now, watch this now, this is going to, this is going to make sense. They're afraid to be humble because they're afraid of how people might treat them. 
If I show vulnerability or if I feel, if I show humility, that may be a sign in, in their minds. It's a sign of weakness. People will run all over me. Y'all with me? And most of the time people struggle with humility because they're insecure. Watch. This is so good. Watch this. Before it says what Jesus did. Y'all with me? Before it says what Jesus did, it says what Jesus knew. Watch. Verse 1. Are you there? Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus... Come on. When Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of, the, out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Watch this. Jesus. Jesus. Everybody, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. (laughs) What did he know? What did he know? Well, the first thing he knew, his hour was come. You say, what's significant about that? That he had, had, y'all remember how many times we said, mine hour has not yet come. Mine hour has not yet come. They couldn't arrest him because his hour hadn't come. He was on a divine timetable. He had a divine purpose from God. He was in the perfect will of God. What was fixing to happen was planned and purposed from his father and everything was going according to. Y'all with me? I know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, that doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Because watch the next thing he knew. Knowing that the Father had given all things to him and that he was coming from God and going to God. So there's several things we have here. One, that there is a purpose. Two, he owns everything. Three, he knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. What does that have to do with anything? Let me tell you something. You don't have to be insecure when you know you own everything. You don't have to be secure when you remember where you came from and where you're going. I may have came from a bad place. I may have came from a difficult time. I may have come from hell, but I'm on my way to heaven. It doesn't matter what you think I am. It doesn't matter what people say that I am. I am the child of the king. And when you know who you are, you won't care what people think. You won't care what people say because you know who you are. You're a child of the living God. Say amen. And you can be humble and you can serve others. And you're not going to care what anybody thinks about humility because you are a prince and a princess. Say amen. Does this make sense? He wasn't insecure. He wasn't insecure a bit. He didn't have to be. He owned it all. 
Why would it bother him to put a towel around and wash somebody's feet? He owned it all. This makes me think of a story I read. Man, I've got to find it. I've got to research this and find it again. Exactly who who the general was. It was during World War II in the blackout times. You know, you know, the bombers, if you, you had to be totally blacked out or you'd hit, be hit by bombers or hit by snipers. And you couldn't have no lights on at night, no, no kind of light at all. And then they, they set up guards to make sure this happened. So if anybody came out and had a light or flashlight or anything like that, man, they'd get in trouble and say, hey, because you was the guard, you was the sentry to make sure that didn't happen. Well, one night, one of the generals, I can't remember which one, but one of the generals stepped out and lit a big cigar and lit this, you know, his, his, his lighter, the lighter had a flame that long, say amen. And that private, that private, he said, soldier, put that light out now. He couldn't see that it was a general. And boy, he put the light out and he walked over to him. When he got close enough for the private to see that he just chewed out a general, he went, oh. And this is what the general said. He said, son, you better be glad I ain't no lieutenant. (laughs) You know what that general was saying? I'm secure. I don't have to be bent out of shape by what a little private said because I'm a general. And you know what? Jesus, he is showing, I don't have no problems being humble. I don't have no problems washing somebody's feet. I don't have no issues getting down and serving one another. I don't care what people think I am because I'm the king. And when you realize who you are, when when you realize where you come from, And where you're going, it makes it easy to be humble. Why should I care? I'm going to walk on a street of gold. Why should I worry about what people think about me? Why should I be insecure? My name's written in glory. I'm a child of the king. Say amen. Amen. Listen, knowing these things, he got down. And wash their feet. Number two. He's, he not only taught them a lesson. Not only taught them a lesson. In uh, what did I say? Number one. Come on everybody. Humility. Humility. Number two. He taught them a lesson in holiness. <clears throat> he taught them a lesson in holiness. He gets to Peter. He gets to Peter. <clears throat> And, true to form, Peter puts his foot in his mouth as usual. Y'all with me? He's always doing it. You know, at one point, Jesus has to tell him, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, he's always doing it. He means well, but he's probably the worst out of the bunch, to be honest. Well, I'll be honest with you. He's probably the best out of the bunch and the worst out of the bunch. He was probably one who had the most potential, but the one who had the biggest attitude problem. Isn't that usually the case? 
Because it was, it was Peter. that He didn't say this to Matthew. He didn't say this to Luke. He, he didn't say this to John. Mark, he didn't say this to any of them. But he did say this to Peter. Thou art Peter. And on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He looks at Peter and says, What thou loosen on earth will be loose in heaven. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Unto thee give I the keys to the kingdom. That's potential. But to the same one, he says, get thee behind me, Satan. To the same one, he says, you're going to deny me. To the same one, Satan has desired to have thee, may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy fates fail not. To the one who had so much potential. And the one that meant well, he did. I believe he did. Everybody's just against Peter, but I believe Peter meant well. I mean, he meant what he said. He's not the type of person that's not going to say what he means. He's going to say what he means, but sometimes you need to keep your mouth shut. When you, amen? And so he gets to Peter. He gets to Peter, and, uh, and, and, and it's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's a statement that, what are you doing? Are you going to wash my feet? Man, you're, you're God. You're not, and by the way, do you know it takes the same amount of humility to let someone serve you as it is to serve someone. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just chew on that a little bit. He says, listen, you, you don't understand right now. You don't understand right now, but you're going to. In other words, Jesus is saying, it's all right. I know you don't understand this, but it's all good. Well, Peter gets adamant about it. He said, I tell you what, you ain't never washing my feet. Don't try to tell God what to do. He says, okay. Okay, you you don't want a part of this? Then you have no part with me. Okay, okay, never mind. Wash my feet, wash my hands, wash my head, wash everything. Do y'all read this Bible like I read it? I mean, if you're going to go that far about it, let's go. And, and now here's what we got from Jesus. Here's what we got from Jesus. There's the eye roll again. He said, you don't, you don't, you don't get it. You don't, you, don't, you don't understand what I'm trying to teach you with this. He was not just teaching them a lesson in humility. Doing what they probably wouldn't do. Doing a menial, low, lowly job. But he was showing them something about holiness and cleansing and sanctification. And this this part of this lesson is teaching us. This part of this chapter is teaching us. And so this is what I want you to write down in your notes. These three things and then we'll talk about about what he's he's teaching us. First, there is a refusal. He said, you're not washing my feet. Then there's a rebuke. Then there's a rebuke. He says, if, if, if I wash thee not, this verse 8, thou hast no part with me. And then there's a revelation. He says, man, wash everything. And, and, and this is what Jesus, he has to teach him a truth that we all need to understand. Look in verse number 10. Verse number 10. When you get there, say amen. Jesus saith to him, he that is washed. Now this word washed is a different word than the other washes in the other verses. The other verses, the word wash there is is in reference to a body part. 
In other words, if I wash my hand, or if I wash my ear, or if I wash my foot, are you, are you there? Say amen. The word washed in verse number 10 that Jesus used here is talking about a complete washing from head to toe, a complete, if that makes sense, say amen. Watch what he says. He that is washed, in other words, completely, needeth not save to wash his feet. In other words, he don't have to wash everything again, just the part that got dirty. Because this, this is the point. They walked around with sandals, and, the, and sometimes, sometimes even barefooted. So you could take a bath and walk to your neighbor's house, and you'd be clean everything but your feet. So that is what is defiled. That is what needs cleansing. He says when you, when you have a bath and you're washed all over, you don't, you don't have to wash everything again. Just wash what got. Does that make sense? Now, here is the revelation. Here's the principle behind it. This is what we see in the Old Testament. This is what we see in the Old Testament. The Old Testament uh, cleansing of the priests and as they served in the temple is a great illustration of the truth Jesus is trying to teach here. When, when, the, when the, the priests were consecrated to serve, they were washed completely from top to bottom. And this was a one-time deal. But, but before they could go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, or into uh, 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 the holy place, not necessarily the Holy of Holies, that was for the high priest once a year, but in order to go into the holy place to light the incense or eat the showbread there or light the candle, they had to stop at the brazen laver and wash their feet. Because when they were walking around, even though they were washed, their feet would get dirty. Or let's use the word defiled. If that makes sense, say amen. They didn't have to wash all over again. They just had to wash what got Now here's the principle. Here's the principle. When you get saved, you get saved all over. When you come to God and you come in repentance, He takes His red blood and washes your black sin white as snow. And he washes you from top all the way to the bottom. And you are cleansed. Oh, say amen. And you are washed and you are clean. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You are clean. But in living life, sometimes our feet get Dirty and defiled. Sometimes in just living. Sometimes in driving in traffic. I'm saved, but I got a little defiled. Do I have a witness? Now, why, why is this significant? Why is it significant that we wash your feet? Symbolically. He said, he said, if you don't let me wash, you have no part with me. The word part means sharing. It's the word that means sharing. Communion. Y'all follow me? You know what he's saying? You know why it's so important? I, I, I usually ask a person to get saved. <clears throat> When I'm, I'm leading somebody to the Lord, before they leave or before I get through with them, I, I'll normally ask them this question. I say, all right, I got a question for you. 
Now, you've just trusted Christ as your Savior. You've just asked the Lord to forgive you of all your sins. And at this moment, according to the scriptures I just showed you, when you asked God to forgive you, what did he just do? He said, he forgave me and washed all my sins away. And I said, that's right. Perfect answer. Great answer, because that's what the Bible says. And then I say this, almost like a trick question, and I, and I get it, some of them. And I say, do you think you'll ever sin again? And they went, <gasps> it's almost like, I know I'm going to, but I don't want to say yes. But then they'll just finally say, probably. I said, good answer. Because getting saved doesn't make you perfect. I said, you, you're, not, you're not in a glorified body now. You're still in a broken one. You're in a forgiven state. You have, you have the righteousness of God, of Christ imputed upon you, put on your account, but you're still broken and the Bible says if we confess our sin 1 John chapter 1 if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us say that with me and to from all unrighteousness the next chapter chapter 2 says if we sin we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ we have somebody who will go on our behalf now, what's the point? What's the point of if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Why, why is that significant? Why is that important? For the same reason he told Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. You have no sharing with me. You have no communion with me. Right before you see in chapter number 1 of 1 John, right before he says, but if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, it says this, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. But if we say that we walk in darkness or we walk in the light, or excuse me, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You know what he's saying? If you're living in a defiled life, if you're living with unconfessed sin in your life, you cannot commune with someone in light when you're in darkness. Does that make sense? And I tell them, God wants you. I, 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 put, I, I don't know why I use these illustrations. I, I just try to make it as simple as I can. I said, it's just like you're in school and you got a chalkboard up here. You got a chalkboard up here. You got a whiteboard up here. And, and all of your sins are listed. All of them are listed on this board. And the moment you get saved, God just says, shoo, and washes them all away. White, clean, white, great. But you go in traffic. <laughs> or you have an issue with your spouse. And you get attitude. And y'all just fill in the blank, whatever your issue is. And you get a mark. Man, y'all getting quiet. What do we do? We come to God and say, I'm so sorry. I confess my sin to you. Please forgive me. And he goes, And here's the thing. That's not to get saved again. The point of this teaching is you're already washed from top to bottom. You just got to wash what got. Does this make sense? Preacher Brown, the, the president of the college where I went, the pastor of the church there, he said when he got saved, 
he, was, he had a, a Christian guy, in, he worked in a, a car dealership. He was a mechanic in a car dealership. And uh, the mechanic witnessed to him all the time, all the time, all the time. And he finally got saved. Was at a church service, got saved. And man, he come back and told the, the, the other mechanic, and, and, and this was an older mechanic, and he's kind of like a, you know, kind of like a big brother to Dr. Brown. And, and uh, he said one day he was sitting there just, just right after he got saved. Said he was working on something and he hit one of his fingers with a wrench. He said, I damned everything in the shop. He said, I cussed a blue streak. And he said, it just hit me. And he said, I ran. I ran with tears in my eyes to the bathroom. And he said, I just sat in one of them stalls crying. And this is what he said. He said, well, it was good while it lasted. Because he thought he'd done send it away. He said, I had tears. He had tears dripping off his face. And he said, it was, I guess it was good while it lasted. And he said, about that time I heard on the stall. It was his older mechanic buddy. He saw what had happened. He said, I didn't know about being saved and that you might make a mistake again. He said, I thought I'd lost it. And he explained to him about coming to God and having a relationship with him and having communion with him and being clean. Not having to get saved over again. That's a one-time deal. We don't go and get saved again. Sometimes we've got to go to the shower. Y'all with me? Sometimes we've got to wash what got dirty. Sometimes we get defiled work, working in this world and walking in this world. He said he explained to him about confessing our sin to God and letting God wipe us away. Not, not to stay in relationship, but to stay in communion. In other words, in other words there's times... There's times that me and Tammy, we're in relationship, but we ain't in communion. Y'all with me? Now, y'all can look at me all y'all want to look at me. Y'all ain't no different. Sometimes you're still married. You just ain't real happy with each other. Y'all with me? And that ain't no fun. That ain't no fun. That ain't no place to be. There's no peace, there's no harmony, there's no joy, there's no happiness, there's no fellowship. You know what, it's just like with Christ. When we've got unconfessed sin in our life, there's no fellowship. There's no harmony. There's no communion. And when there's no communion and fellowship, there's no joy, there's no happiness. There's no, what did Jesus say to Peter? There's no part there's no sharing. There's no communion. Sometimes we just got to come to God and get cleaned up. And all God's people say it. Number three, hurry up. I got seven minutes. <clears throat> Y'all ain't listening fast enough. <clears throat> he gives us a lesson. He gives us a lesson in humility. He gives us a lesson in what I say? Holiness. Holiness. Number three. He gives us a lesson in happiness. 
happiness. I love the way this is worded. Look in verse, look in verse number. Let me just give you the words and then you can listen to me. All right, that way we can save some time. We see a divine example. We see a divine example. He says, and, 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 and he says, know what ye, know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an, come on everybody, I've given you an example. Then it says this, we see not only a divine example, but we see a divine expectation. Expectation, let me back up. He says, if I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also, what's the next word? What's it? Everybody, five people got a Bible. Come on, people. Ye also ought. That means obligation. That means God is expecting this mentality and attitude to be with his children. Ye ought. Ye ought. Say it with me. Ye to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Divine example, divine expectation, but then we see a divine explanation. A divine explanation. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. You're no better than me, Jesus says. You're definitely not better than me. But you look, look what I've done for you. Look what he says. Look what he says. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye... The world thinks that happiness is the result of others serving you. But real joy comes when we serve others in the name of Christ. The world is constantly, watch this now, this is so, man, this may just totally change your life. The world is constantly pursuing happiness. But that is like chasing a shadow. It is always just beyond your reach. The pursuit of happiness. Did I, I gave you all of them, right? All right, put your paper down and look at me. Look at me. I, I, I mean, I got four minutes. That's it. That's, you're, you're only in here four minutes. I was in a funeral today for two hours. You can get three more minutes. Say amen. And I'll be honest with you. It was, it was pretty good. They, they went to church. They went to church. An evangelist, a man that's preached to the gospel his whole life and his sons are preaching the gospel. They got up and sang. They got up and sang, had three different preachers. It, it was just, it was good. It was good. But here, the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. Now, you say, well, how's that a bad thing? How's that a bad thing? How many of y'all want to be happy? Rest of you lying. <laughs> Nobody wakes up, well, some people do. But most people don't wake up and say, man, I hope I, I'm just not happy today. Right? I mean, everybody wants to be happy. So, so why is that a bad thing to pursue happiness? Because if that's what you're pursuing, you'll never catch it. Jesus explained it this way. He that saveth his life shall, but he that loseth for my sake shall. You know what he's saying? 
Here's, here's the difference. Here's the difference. Is it, now stay with me now. This is going to sound confusing for a second. Is happiness what you are pursuing or is happiness a byproduct of your pursuit? Grace, come up here a minute. Come up here, you hurricane fan. Can't believe I'm using you. You're going to be happiness too. All right. All right. Watch this right here. Come over here. Come over here. This is Christ. I know I'm stretching it just a little bit. You know what's connected to Christ? Happiness. Happiness. This is, what, this is what I have the ability to reach. Christ. And when I get Christ, I automatically get... When I reach Christ, when I pursue Christ, a byproduct. Say that with me, a. In other words, I'm not necessarily pursuing it. But because of my pursuit, I get it. Does that make sense? But watch this. Reach out for me. Not, don't, I said reach, don't step. If I just pursue happiness, reach, reach. That's why you can get all the money you can possibly get. And still not be. You can, you can drive brand new vehicles and not be. Oh, if I just had that woman or this woman, or if I had this. Yeah, ask Solomon. He had a thousand of them. And he was not. You know what Solomon found out about the pursuit of happiness? Through everything you can buy, through everything you can see, through entertainment, wine, women, and song. He said it's vanity. The word vanity means empty. He said I never could. Come on everybody. I could never reach it. But when we pursue Christ. That means we're losing our life to save it. And, and let me say this too. The Bible doesn't say. If ye know these things, you're happy. It's happy if you do them. You can know to be humble. You can know to serve others. You, you can be like, you know what? I've always heard that it's more blessed to give than to receive. But that don't bless you. But go bless somebody. There's way too many people coming to church. And, and being like James said. And being hearers of the word. And not doers. Hearers of the word and not doers. And we wonder why we're not. We come in and we hear the truth. But then we go out and keep doing the same thing. 
How many of y'all have ever heard the definition of insanity? Continuing to do the same thing, expecting a different result. I love when people say, this, this church stuff don't work. It'll work if you work it. I've been working on my boldness stuff. Making myself. How you get to go to church anywhere? Well, yeah, I go, I go in and, and I said, well, I, and see, I just happened to know the preacher where he went. I said, you keep going. Then went to another one. Well, I, I sometimes, if they ever say sometimes, they don't go. I said, boy, I'd love to see you at Temple. Here's my invite to Temple. And I mean, I'm grinning like a possum. Saying, God, give me boldness. I want to practice what I'm preaching. I tell you what, preacher, you don't know the people I work around. The people you work around may be different if you'll learn to be more like Christ. Do y'all know Jesus ain't teaching this to good people? He's teaching this to people who are arguing over who's going to be the greatest. Let's be humble. Let's be holy. And you notice, did you, did, you, did you notice, I know I'm over time, but did you notice the progression? And did you notice the order? What was first? Humility. Say it with me. Humility. And then holiness. And what came after humility and holiness? Holiness. Preacher, what are you trying to say? Maybe... Just maybe, if we would spend more time pursuing humility and holiness, God would allow us to experience a little bit of. Amen. That's all y'all can handle. Y'all can't handle no more than Church, say amen. We're going to talk about the traitor next week. Oh, Judas. Judas, Judas, Judas. If he only knew. If he only knew. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so 